The wolf man. Let me go ahead and do it. <laughs> hey, it's Kevin. Hey, welcome to the MLNYC podcast. This is Kevin Brown. Welcome to the MLNYC podcast. This is Kevin Brown. And I'm here with Larry Castilla of MLNYC. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And Jason Rose of McGuire's. Who's texting on his phone and not participating. <laughs> <laughs> and just got punched in the stomach by Kevin. <laughs> Put down the text messaging device. Oof. Well, that was exciting. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Jason just moved closer <laughs> to me because he's scared that Kevin is going to punch him in the stomach again. So it uh, is day three or four or something of uh, of the three, four, multiple yeah, days of um, of uh, Sam nine seven one Freedom One, and uh, so we're we're doing another podcast with the guys. I think Joe is still polishing or doing something. Yep. It was uh, a lot of Chrome. But anyhow, today we're here to answer. It was a popular podcast before, guys, when we were answering a lot of questions from people. Mm -hmm. I listened to it myself. Oh, did you? I did. How did you do? I listened to it myself. <laughs> I did fine. Wait, <laughs> did? Yeah. the podcast we just did, you posted it? No, 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 the, oh. the previous one. Oh, okay. At, yeah, uh, shipping orders, listening to it. Oh, wait a second. You weren't on that one. Right. Oh, that's. I thought you were on that one. No, I was no. like, how did you do it? No, I listened to you two. Who do we have? That was Joe Fernandez, me, you, right? Somebody else at MT. Oh, at MT. Uh, okay. We should do podcasts in the morning. Every podcast we do is at the night. Late at night, we're like, oh. all right. You guys ready to start off with a question? I'm ready. The question is from Michael Turjan, and the question and the question reads. And the question is. Larry, I really... Oh, we'll skip that part. I enjoy your videos. Uh, I have a situation on my car that I would like to get your input on. I, my car is a, tooth, a two, 2005 996 GT3. All right, now we're talking my language here. The prior owner, <clears throat> the prior owner had a comprehensive wrap on the car. I'm guessing that means a full wrap on the car. I'm reading this together. I haven't pre-read these. <laughs> when the wrap was removed, we discovered that some of the vinyl had been cut with an X-Acto while on the car, and there were some very, very fine, what looks like scratches, but they're in fact cut lines <clears throat> as they followed the outline of the layers. This is, the, by the way, this is the same thing that happens on um, uh, clear bras all the time. Very, very, very common. Uh, I was going to have a body shop paint and wet sand to blend the affected areas. Is, it, is that likely to produce favorable results, i.e. similar to factory appearance, or the same as the other portions of the body panels? Question mark. We just ate dinner. I'm like, oh, oh no. Also, there are some ghost effects from the vinyl even after the car has been washed and polished and the vinyl is removed. Will compounding and repolishing remove the ghost effects? Thoughts, gentlemen? Right off the bat, I can tell you that that is super duper common with clear bras. If you find somebody with a clear bra who doesn't know how to properly install a clear bra, let me back up. There's two ways of doing it. You can have the one that's printed out of the printer mm. and it's a Ford... Explorer, whatever it is, and you type Ford Explorer, it comes in, it comes, it prints it out like a printer, and you have this thing that's a general, you know, size. You print it out, you lay it on, you do the soap and the whole thing, and basically it doesn't really fit. They give you a little margin of error. The second option is to have a big sheet of clear bra, which is equivalent to the wrap. I'm answering this guy's question, and you put it over the piece, and we do a hundred of these a week. You put it over the hood, let's call it, and then you have to take a knife. And, and, you have, and you trim yeah, you it. Trim the That's where the money's made right there. If you lay it down and then trim it, what are the chances of you not going 
going through the vinyl or clear bra and then not hitting the paint. You couldn't even be like a, a surgeon and do that. So you have to pick it up a certain way and then, and then cut it. I mean, you really got to have a steady hand. The guys that, that do it are pretty talented. So this is common. So the question I throw to you. So the, the, if I understand the question, his wrap has been removed. His, yeah. When it's removed, then it goes, you see, let's yeah, say it was a so black car. He's got car cut marks and yeah. he's got, um, <clears throat> blemishes from. Yeah. That's a whole other topic that we'll, we'll right. talk about that in a second. Cause there's a, I shot a video that's not out yet about clear bras. It's very interesting. Back in the day, we'll talk about it now. Back in the day when clear bras, same sort of thing as wrap. <laughs> change, eh, change the subject, whatever. Um, back in the day, <clears throat> what they would do is when you put a clear bra on a rounded surface, you would put a uh, adhesion promoter. So if you think about, let's say, the, the bottom end of a bumper, as it goes around, you guys know it, it doesn't really want to stick. You ever see them? They kind of stick yeah. it with their thumb. and So what they do is just put like a like a spray adhesive kind of thing, and it would stick forever. But we all know clear bras are not designed to be on forever. The clear bra industry would go out of business. You see what I'm saying? Like, so it has to be changed. If race cars get changed every race or whatever, or every year, normal cars are three years, you know, cars that never get driven or five or seven years, whatever it is. So when you remove that, that adhesion uh, promoter will actually pull off the paint. And we, I just did a, a I'm not going to say the car, but a very fancy car. We, he, the person beforehand pulled it off. And so they called me in to kind of touch it up and do whatever. So that's, that's what happens a lot with these vinyl wraps and clear bras, which are sort of the same thing. I'm using that loosely. It's a, Kind of a kind of the same genre. Would you stop squeezing that thing? What are you doing? I gotta tighten the mic. Sorry. Oh, for crying out loud! Wheels are falling off over here. We haven't even started yet. All right. All right. Are we starting? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I didn't push the button. All right. So, what are your what are your thoughts? I have some thoughts on those, but you guys take over on those scratches. Well, um, I I think it would depend on how deep the blade marks are because I've seen some guys do this sort of work. And they're, you know, not heavy pressure when they're cutting. So some of these blade marks can be repaired. Uh, but some, obviously, I mean, a razor blade just cuts right through your paint. When you mean repaired, you mean like compounded? Yeah, or like sanded and buffed. You can get some of these out if it's not too deep. But um, That's a nightmare. Because I bet you that line is perfectly straight and all the way. It's got to be, you know, perfectly straight. And it's like, it's deep and it's quiet. And then it's deep again and yeah. then it's light. You know, that... Yeah, uh, it is. It, it is a. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's a nightmare. I would say, if there's a lot of these cut marks everywhere, like all around the tree, you then yeah, you're done. You you just if you want that fixed, you're gonna have to repaint. Mm -hmm. And the problem is with repainting. If you like, what this guy's talking about? If you just lightly repaint it, it's not. It's never gonna blend like perfectly. You either got to repaint the whole thing. You're not painting a little spot on the hood. Yeah. And then thinking that's gonna blend. I would. I. I don't think that's. A wise move I'm, to go. I'm thinking, you know, hey, another wrap would be really good. Actually, that's a I, <laughs> yeah. that's a great piece of advice. Well, yeah. the other issue you run into is any film that's put on top of the paint is there to protect it, be it transparent or not. So either a vinyl wrap or a, a, a protective film, you can oftentimes see a difference in the thickness of the paint where that film was protecting. Because the part oh. that's not protected, it wears down. Mm -hmm. And when you pull that film, you can see a ridge anyway. So yeah. not only do you have to eliminate the ridge by sanding, but then you have the second problem with a deep razor blade gouge. And I would, I would guess that if you're in a situation that I'm talking about, you'd be doing some sanding regardless to level things out and eliminate it. But then that doesn't even go to the 
topic of a color shift because I've seen those too where you remove the vinyl or the paint protection film and the UV protectant has done its job mm-hmm. and now you have two different colors on the hood right. and there's nothing you can do about that. I think that's sort of what he's alluding to again with this. Uh, are, there are some ghost effects on the vinyl even after the car has been polished and removed. Right. But yeah. That's, I think, the same kind of thing. Maybe the glue is weird or mm-hmm. sometimes I think, hey, maybe the guy is crazy and he got the car painted or he bought the car from a dealership and it was repainted or something and it didn't gas out properly and you put a vinyl wrap on it. He basically suffocated it. I just think anytime there's expansion and contraction and there's some other material to expand and contract with it, and, and, you know, if it doesn't do it at the same exact rate, you're going to have yeah. uh, um, patterning take place, right? Absolutely. You're yeah. going to have you know exposed areas aging differently than unexposed areas. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true, I mean, I'm not a wrap expert, but isn't it true that lately conventional wraps they they aren't doing any blade cutting on the front of the panel? They're actually wrapping it into door jams and around the panel, and yes, the, the yeah. blade marks would be you know behind. Yes and no. They're doing less and less cutting. We're doing less and less cutting. Um, but what you're, I think, you're alluding to is is cutting is like taking out the headlight and then wrapping it around the frame of the headlight and then yeah. putting the headlight back, but. That is, that becomes increasingly difficult to do without some sort of adhesion or something. Because you think about how sharp. Mm-hmm. So take out the headlight of a 996 GT3, you know, like the sloped headlights of a 996. You pull that headlight out. You put the wrap around it. Think about how sharp. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not a, it's not a sloping curve like a, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so sure. how do you get yeah. that to stick in there? You have to like put some sort of adhesion and then put the light back All in, right, I'm gotcha. guessing. Yeah. So. Things like that. And on that same note, when you were talking about the half the hood, remember when right. you would see a car, everything was half the hood, half the hood. Yeah. I haven't done a half a hood in five years. Mm-hmm. And we do clear raws every day. And, and the, reason, the reason is, is because, one, it looks weird because, you know, if, yeah. you, if you wax it once wrong, it gets in there and kind of peels itself up. But for the cost, why not just do the whole entire thing? You wouldn't see it at all. And you have, it, when you can do that, you can wrap it around the edge, you know, the front. Well, this guy obviously has half or something because there wouldn't be a blade mark then right well i there might be a blade on the hood mark. well there might be a blade mark on the on the where the hood meets the 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 front of the uh, fender fender thank you when it meets the fender <laughs> so, wouldn't they no you you well, you lay it across and then you cut where the where the hood opens up you'd have to come close to that line yeah well and then once you, then you open the hood and then you you wrap it you know when the hood goes like this and then it goes flat like people can hear watch me on yeah. a podcast. Yeah, this just like that. Y'all got yeah. that. You see that? <laughs> yeah. It looks like most people are in agreement. How many fingers am I holding up right now? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> don't drive off the side of the road if you're listening to us. So, yeah, it, that would, I don't know what else to there's say. There's nothing that. much you could say positive about that one. Uh, I would say do another rap. I actually think that's the best piece of advice. Do another rap and, and live yeah. to fight another day. It's probably going to cost you, I don't know how much the, the entire car is, but you know, two or $3,000. If you get a repaint job, Kind of be in the same ballpark, I guess. So, or more, you know, probably more expensive. Yeah. All right. So, I think we hit that. I got to make sure not to delete his email because I got to say, hey, we answered it on a podcast. Go listen to the podcast. All right. Next question is from Adam, Adam England, or he's from England. I can't tell. Hi, Larry. Love. He watches all the videos. I just was watching one of your older videos on wet sanding and touch up on your friend's Honda Fit. (laughs) Did you guys watch that one, by the way? Was that the no. key mark? The penis one? 
Oh, that one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, have you seen that one? No. Oh. The, by a friend of mine, his wife. The poor girl. <clears throat> Honda Fit. Um, she parks in the Bronx or whatever. And uh, I mean, he, he really drew the outline like of the actual shaft in the box. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it was remarkably good for a key job oh. and i was like listen you got to get this repainted but i have to practice and play on this thing <laughs> oh goodness actually that sounds really horrible but... <laughs> yeah yeah i've never actually i'm not playing at all on that thing i was anyways on honda fit i have a nasty key scratch in in my door and would like to attempt a similar repair as you did what I... oh boy what i would like to know is claying still recommended before beginning the wet sanding process or not and is claying needed before any sort of wet sanding? Interesting question. No. Well, yes and no. I think, you know, clay is needed if you have any bonded contaminants on the surface, whether you're sanding or not. So you would need, you need to clay it before if you, you had, sand. Let's say I can imagine a scenario, your, your car's in a body shop and you got paint overspray. That's a bonded contaminant. You okay. Would, you would clay first before you sand. I mean, that's... Yeah, I would, you know, rail dust, metallic particles. I wouldn't want any of that near my seven dollar per you know, disc. Yeah. You know, so I would say if you walk if you walk up a car and it's like baby's butt smooth, then you can skip that step. You don't need the clay. No, mm. I get yeah. so many questions about clay. It's it's like yeah. this mystery of the world, and yeah, people yeah. think that you have to clay. And I said you can clay every day if you need it. If that's something you need, then do it. Yeah. yeah. Or like my car, I haven't cleaned it in two years. Why? Because I, I don't nothing's park, bonding, nothing's to, bonding it. to it. I don't need right. to. So right. I think that little nuance of how often do I need to wash my car? I'm like, I, I would say it every if it minutes. was me and you know, guy's not sanding his car every day, I would take the five minutes and clay it, and then you have no bonded contaminants that can get into your disc and cause that dreaded pigtail. Yeah, and I think the only time you would like in this case, if he's going through all this trouble, just clay it. it takes yeah, just clay it. Yeah. But if he was doing something like a wash or a wax. And you're not going to sand it or compound or whatever, because I think sometimes these guys, you know, they they use dirty clay or they use hard, you know, clay that's like super heavy or whatever, and they have soft black paint, and they're like, "I just clayed, and you told me that it wasn't going to scratch." Yeah. And I said, "Well, I think we've all, you know, scratched car with clay. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, though." Yeah. Back and forth kind of thing. So. Yeah, I see what you're saying, Kevin. If you because I can imagine that scenario where, you know, you feel the hood, it's smooth. You feel the fender, it's smooth, and then you make that decision. Oh. I don't need the clay, but then there was something bonded on the back deck lid, you know, and then when you get there with your sandpaper, you know, you yeah. pick it up and start grinding with it. Well, there's that, there's tar. You know how you've done a a panel and you thought, gee, I didn't know there was any tar in this or any yeah. any debris. It felt smooth, but you look at the clay and say, where did all this brown stuff, stuff come from? Yeah. And that's all yeah. stuff that can slow your process. Right. And, well, I'm yeah. going to play devil's advocate here and say, all right, you got a little bit of boogers on your on your paint before you're going to sand it. I got to sand. I got heavy sandpaper. I'm just going to blow right through it. I'm yeah, going to spit it out. Not every sanding media is rigid that can cut through things. Look at the the Unigrit sanding discs. Yeah, the, explain, the foam backed. Explain yeah. the difference between those real. You know, the difference between the actual materials that are cutting. Um, I, you you did it at NXT or something when you showed the uh, the microscope shot of what are they like little pieces or what i don't remember what it was but explain can you explain a little bit about the sandpaper sandpaper yeah well there's you know a wide variety of different technologies put in sandpaper there there's some that literally are just sand you know glued to a piece of paper 
I mean, that's the way they did it in yeah, you know, the fifties or whatever for right? a long time. Well, yeah. no, there's still there's still paper made today. Uh, yeah, that... it's leftover old stock, though, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> no I don't mean I don't mean the guy for... in the back like squirting the glue on there yeah. and he's like rubbing it on the floor, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't mean from you know Meguiar's or 3M, but there are literally sandpapers manufactured where it's you know fine sifted, sorted, screened grains of sand glued to a piece of paper. So anyway, you can imagine that that technology would have different size particles on the paper, which would result in a uneven sanding mark, which would be more difficult to buff out. So that's the beauty of Unigrid technology because they're, they're actually screened out at a certain size. So any of the abrasive medium that's put on there, and it's actually bonded a different proprietary way that, so that would be like a round, put it in shapes, you know, for people listening. Yeah. So that would be, that would be roundish. Very tiny roundish. Um, but more importantly, they're, they're more uniform in size to each other. So for example, if you had 2000 grit sandpaper, you're getting 2000 grit particles or smaller on that paper. Okay. And it, this is still the old kind oh, of No, this is new. This is Unigrit technology. Oh, That's Unigrit. what that is. Oh yeah. Yes, it makes sense. And then the Trizact and the Meguiar's Unigrit uh, finishing disc, you know the, you know the disc that you put on a palm sander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's another completely different technology. So you're getting into a big topic here on sanding mediums, but no, we don't need to get too deep yeah. into it. We'll do save that for another whole topic. But <laughs> the difference there's there's a difference between the sanding paper, yeah, um, and and the backing plate attached to the sanding paper. The backing, the backing, right? So the, yeah, there's the a lot of misconception yeah. about sanding where a guy says hey you know i'm going to knock this down with 800 grit thinking that in order to level this surface i need to go to a larger grit abrasive grain or or, or, does that make sense Mm -hmm. so far okay so but that's not necessarily the case just because you have a large abrasive grain does not mean that the entire sheet or disc itself is going to now level the surface meaning get rid of the deviation in the surface get rid of the peaks it, that, just because you go heavy grit does not automatically mean that that sheet or disc is going to level the surface flat. What does it mean then? Well, it means it's going to cut deeper because the grains are larger. But it could cut deeper within sure. the, the, the valleys. You, of yeah, the... if you said, "Hey, Kevin, you know, I think that you know there's a lot of money to be made in in the sandpaper industry. I want a very versatile, you know, superstar, top of the line sanding sheet." I said, "Okay, well, we're going to use." For your backing, we're going to make it very versatile. So we're going to use saran wrap or a, you know a plastic wrap, and that doesn't make any sense. You think that sure is flimsy, right? But but it would enable us to do a couple of things. Well, first of all, if you wanted it to be very contourable, then we would use a very soft hand pad. Let's say even something as soft as a loaf of bread or a balloon, where you can take the saran wrap, wrap it around that, and sand with it. It would contour to anything. Mm-hmm. If we then took Sanding that... Sanding with a slice yeah. of bread. bread. Yes. Hopefully it's not toasted, right. otherwise you're screwed, right? Well, yeah. I never thought of that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, but you can't toast that. You're, you're welcome to have your own input in, in your segment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll put in my On place. the opposite end... You're going to get punched again. I've been slugged in the stomach and put out <laughs> verbally. It, it, the may floor I is continue. yours. You may continue. So then we could also make that sanding sheet level by using a 
piece of built aluminum or balsa wood, a very hard backing that we wrap that around. So that doesn't give. Right. So that's so really we wouldn't necessarily be using we'd be using the saran wrap to adhere the abrasives to to glue them there. But we're going to make our own backing using our different types of sanding blocks. So take that idea and say let's let's make two 800 grade or 800 grit sanding discs. One of them we're going to use very rigid backing that we're going to glue the abrasives to. The other one we may take and and glue it to to foam that's then glued to that same backing. So, or wheat bread maybe. Oh right. boy. Yeah. Oh. So there just just because you say I need an 800 grit sheet of, a sheet of sandpaper or sanding disc there's still going to be uh, they're both going to have an equivalent cut, potentially, but one will be able to level the surface much more easily or more level than the other. I get what you're saying there. And uh, I think to finish yeah. off on that, um, it then allows you, with the right backing, allows you to go from an 800 grit to a 2000 grit and level paint. Right. You can go because to 2000, 3000. Right. If you have a rigid backing... Then all you're doing is really slowing the cut because each each time you slice or or move uh, the the sanding sheet or disc around, it's going to cut only a certain depth. And even then, there's a misconception. I mean, if you have 800 grit, does it cut massively deeper every single slice? Well, no, because you're not putting all your pressure and force on those grains. They're not dropping in, hitting you know, the bottom of the paint and then slicing through. I mean, that, that would be akin to saying, "Here's your steak knife." You know, put it on your plate and shove it through the steak. You don't start at the bottom. You start at the top and you, you whittle your way through. So sanding, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. not just because you have heavy grains. It doesn't automatically cut super deep, super fast, and super level. There's just a lot of misconceptions about sanding. Yeah, so I'm just, re- I'm just realizing now that it's kind of the combination of the two. I see what you're, I see what you're saying. I'm hoping. Yeah. I don't even know how to repeat it. but I... Well, the grade of, you know, the coarser the grain then the the more potential there is to to cause to to cut deeper gouges mm-hmm. per stroke. It's almost like with your knife example with the steak. It's like how sharp is that knife? If it's a duller knife, you're gonna have you're yeah, gonna sit there and saw, saw yeah, for a little yeah. bit more. But you'll get through, I guess. Yeah. If it's a super sharp, meaning yeah. you get heavy grit, you'll go through and yeah. Few. So y- hmm. it's it's really as simple as saying, hey, if you could only put, let's take a a section of the the sheet of sandpaper and say, hey, let's just take a square inch of that, and just in general, on average. In this particular square inch of sandpaper, they were only able to glue on four abrasive grains, four. And if we put a pound of pressure on that, then you could take that pound of pressure and say, hey, that that pound of pressure is being applied to four abrasive grains. That's a quarter pound a piece. So knowing that, you you could figure out, hey, there's a quarter pound of pressure per grain, and so it's going to cut a certain amount. But if you then said, hey, this sheet has a 1,000 grains on it mm-hmm. and you, you still put a pound of pressure on it but now you're dividing it by a thousand it's not going to cut the same depth right that it, makes sense it's just interesting I mean, it, yeah that's pressure behind the pressure point right yeah yeah so when you use larger grains there's not as much there's there's not an ability to have as many grains touching the surface in a given area of sandpaper yeah. or disc and so they're going to cut deeper um, or they're going to cut yeah they're going to cut deeper um, but the other thing that I hear all the time is say, hey, I went ahead and sanded with 3,000 grit, and then I went ahead with 5,000 grit, and uh, do you have an 8,000 grit for me? 
Well, there's a point of diminishing returns where you're getting so fine that the second you cut anything, the debris has nowhere to go. So now you're instantly riding on yeah. the sanded material. So there's, there, there's, there is some overkill and misunderstanding of how many steps should I do when I sand and how fine should I get. And, and, and in general, an automotive paint, if you're doing 3,000 grit and then you're taking the same design disc, let's say Trizact. Uh-huh. Where they have a three thousand and a five thousand, it's re- it's almost redundant to do both on automotive paint. Yeah. Pick one or the other and do it properly, and either one's going to do a great job. Now, if you're sanding glass or diamonds or something extremely hard, and then I'd say, yeah, refine and step up all you can because buffing that out is going to be a nightmare. Mm. What was I, I'm still trying to understand using that eight thousand example. Well, when it gets too much, what are, you, what are you saying? I'm saying that there's not much void area between each grain. You've got so many packed. Go back to the square inch. Oh, oh, and oh. you've got these the, the dinkiest, tiniest particles glued down in this tiny little area. As soon as you start to sand, um, it fills in the voids between the grains. I'm with you now. And by doing that, it will cause more scratching. Because well, it can't or flush. negate the sanding because now there's nothing. It can't dig in because it's being padded by all this. Oh. So you have in that situation, you have to rinse it away or vacuum it away. That's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah. You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That, that was awesome. Well and, this, and this poor guy asked about clay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go ahead and clay your car. <laughs> His name is Zahad Malik. Sorry about that, bud. We uh, actually yeah. that's not. This is this question. Never mind. I forget who that was. That was Adam. Oh yeah, that was Adam England. Yeah. Okay, Zahad Malik has a question. So I have a 2013 uh, Honda Accord with cloth seats, except they aren't most. They aren't like most cloths. I have to put this closer. It's too far away. I can't read it. Except uh, they trap hair, and let's say I have a red hood hoodie on the seats are black when i get out of the seat you can see uh there's some fabric from my hoodie is in the seat i tried lint rollers which seemed kind of like it could pull some of the seat fabric more off than anything vacuuming light brushing nothing worked uh i pretty much have to use my hand to take everything out of the seat any tips and suggestions if you could shoot a video on this that would be awesome right away sir how do how do we? So this is a fabric seat that is. I think I know what he's talking about. You, pulling you know, the is it microfiber? He said oh. it's a cloth seat from a 2013 Honda Accord. So I can't imagine. Oh, the Honda Accord. Okay. I think I know what he's talking about. The back of like the the seat back of yeah. it. Like if you were to take a dog and just sit him on the on the seat and he would lean back in it. You ever see when let's say like it's a black seat like I said and it's a white dog or whatever, they'll go the the hairs will go directly through. They're like pierce the yeah. the cloth, and you can't vacuum it out. Yeah. So you have to go in there with your fingers. And and what I do is I take my fingers and and a vacuum, and I go whoop, poof, and I just I'm doing that. You know what I mean? As soon as I pull it out, it gets sucked up by the vacuum. It's like a weird little anomaly. Well, there's a there's actually a good technique that will get those out pretty fast with a with a rubber brush, rubber glove, like a regular rubber, Re- rubber latex glove? rubber glove, wet or dry. dry. Just rub that. And it grabs onto the tip of the hair that's like half buried into the fabric. Sure. It grabs, you know, the rubber grabs it and pulls it out. And then you just vacuum as it goes. Ooh, I do see a video. That's mm. a cool little trick. Well, there's, yeah, and there's pumice, pumice, pumice stones, pumice another stone. one. Pumice stones, pumice popular. Stones. You guys use awesome. those little rubber brushes, though? Yeah, the yeah. rubber brush works. McGuire's actually had. Yeah, we had one for a while. Yeah, we, for a while. 
Those actually, those work pretty I, I good too. I thought they're great. I, yeah. I I brush all in a line, and then I vacuum that one line, as opposed to vacuuming, you know, forty different areas. With... But I think if I understood his comment, he's getting fiber yeah. fiber transfer from his yeah. hoodie to the fabric. He's getting See, linting. It's actually gripping. Yeah, lint, and... lint is sticking to the seat. Yeah, yeah that, that's a different thing. Yeah, he's saying they, they they trap hair. Let's say I have a red hoodie on and the seats are black. When I get out of the seat. Uh, then you can see the fabric from the hoodie in the seat. Okay, you're right. I tried lint rollers, which seemed to kind of work, um, but it pulls the seat fabric more than anything. Vacuuming, light brushing, nothing worked. So you're right. So he's so he's got like more of like a, you know, I don't know how to say it, like a sticky or, or abrasive situation or whatever. Well, I think what's happening is sort of like the you know hook and loop attachment on backing plates and pads. You. You know, it's sort of happening with his fabric seat yeah. and his mm-hmm. and his hoodie. They're you're actually pulling some lint yep. from his hoodie, and it's attaching to you know the some kind of a roughness in the fiber of. Yeah, his... it's either a mechanical attachment or yeah. it's not static electricity. But I, I bet you with the newer cars or the you know the newer things they're trying to do with these you know uh, mass produced cars is like change the seats up so they're a little more modern or cool yeah. or different or whatever and I bet you that's that's it's doing a that. micro suede of some sort that's, yeah. very what, that's what I think I mean you could just even if you... so overall the three of us our advice is he needs to put on a black hoodie and everything will be or you could, <laughs> you could even try to wipe a, a, an unused fabric softener sheet across it to help kind of burnish that a little bit but or or, or take out or, eight thousand grit, or dry and... less clothes at a time, and let the lint, <laughs> the lint uh, filter, you know, do its job. Like, yeah, I have seventeen of these hoodies in there. Maybe that's the problem. That's really funny. All right. Uh, hopefully, that was helpful. Actually, I thought of another one, um, and I honestly, I'm gonna say this, but I honestly don't know if this will work or not. But I'm, it's a suggestion to try. Um, Perhaps fabric uh, protection, like those fabric, uh, you know, uh, the sprays. Stuff is spray on yeah. there so the water doesn't stay. Maybe, and like I said, I, mean, I don't know for sure, but maybe that would coat the yeah. oh the little holes that are the catching. fibers on the seat enough that it won't snag, you know, lint. Yeah, it know. could be. It could be. Yeah, it's a possibility. That was, that was an interesting slash yeah, question. Uh, it's something cool. I would try if oh. I had that problem. I love those questions. All right, next question from Stefan Lehman. Larry, I'm a big uh, okay. He watches the videos. I want to ask you about removing gasoline from the trunk. I have an E350 wagon, and I recently put an old snowblower in the trunk to get repaired. He must live in New York. Uh, I was in a rush, and I didn't notice the bottom of the machine was dirty, and I think it was gasoline. It left some of the residue in the carpet trunk. Uh, What do you recommend to safely remove... uh, we safely remove this from the carpet of my trunk. Thanks for your help. I love the content on the Drive channel. P.S. Thanks for sharing your video on the 964 engine build. Is that the truth? Okay, so let's get the obvious, uh, you know, joking comments out of the way. Well, actually, you got to light a say, match. On that last guy, before we go to this guy, he could actually try a wet microfiber towel too. You wet it, wring it out, and drag it across, or probably pull all that right off. Oh, on the on, on the, the lint seat one, lint yes, guy. yes. You were just waiting to get that one out. Yeah, I know, I got cut off. But. <laughs> okay, so anyway, on this on this fuel one, actually, that would work. Yeah, uh, it would. yeah, I think that would work. A damp microfiber. Hey, I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> I googled myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, getting so the trunk thing. Getting to this guy. The first thing I would do, if possible, is fairly obvious, is to remove the carpet 
If you can, if he's talking about the trunk, if you can pull it out, get it out of the car immediately. Yeah, uh, the, the important reason for that because you don't know how much gasoline is actually soaked either around that carpet mat, mm -hmm. you know, and may, he might have like a pool of gasoline down sure. in where your spire, spare tire, you know, housing is or something like that. So mm -hmm. um, that's very smart. I would say pull pull that out of the trunk uh, for a number of reasons, if not the the main one is just to make sure you don't have gasoline, you know, down there. Yeah. You're... And then the other thing is that you want, uh, I think personally it's going to take a lot of flushing of water. I, honestly, I, I sometimes think it's just easier to, to buy a new piece. Just buy a new piece. Yeah, you have to eliminate the odor in that case, which is you have to eliminate all the oiliness, yeah. the, the solvent smell. It has right. to be physically removed. It can't just be masked. And it's not going to evaporate in the trunk. It's not ozoned, yeah. ozonable. It's yeah, not. It's such a low flashing. Some of those oils in those two cycle mixes are such a. They're not going to flash. You could put them on the cement, and they'll just be there tomorrow, and the next day, in in, in the direct yeah. sun. So, no, that's true. Yeah, that's a tough one. You have to completely flush it out. You'd have to remove you know, it. Both sides. Yeah, both sides. You'd if, have to if it had matting. Good luck. And if you had an extractor, you'd have to like to do repeated, you know, extraction. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be a, if you're trying to keep it, keep the carpet, it would be a a, a massive process to Just, do it. Yeah, you either have to completely eliminate it. And if you think about it, if you really or, cut that into time, yeah. imagine sitting there every other weekend or whatever and, and doing that, Just spend the 500 bucks or whatever and rip it out and change it. <sighs> Smells are tough, man. Yeah. There's not a whole yeah. lot of stuff you can do. Well, that one is cuz like you said, you can't. I mean, ozone is pretty powerful against odors you know but there are certain kinds of odors that ozone won't do a darn thing i think thing it's more like bacteria odors like sandwich stuck under the seat or something odor gasoline's its own yeah like little animal mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah match <laughs> <laughs> so yes all right uh next question from jason gracias Larry, would it be possible for you to create a video or share some insight on how to care for, for and possibly try to restore flat back black vinyl uh, racing decals? For example, on my 2007 Daytona Charger, Charger uh, sad to admit due to neglect and harsh East Coast winters, uh, they have become faded and lost some eye appeal. I recently have been trying to restore, uh, to restore uh, back to original condition with no luck. Do you have any tip, tips and tricks? And by the way, I love Kevin Brown and don't like Jason Rose. I can't believe, I can't believe he just said that in email. That's incredible. I'll send you the okay, bucks. next question, please. <laughs> no, I, I added that part. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, Vinyl? No, he said, um, just to clarify, he said matte finish? Yeah, I, I have a picture if I can pull it up. It's, it's Daytona. Matte. You know the ones that have like the little, that comes from the factory, has those yeah, little yeah. stickers okay, or whatever on it. I just want to make sure he said matte. He said matte. They yeah. were not the shiny ones. So it's faded and is it scratched? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say. Oh, he's looking to restore the flat black. Is his actual quote? Okay. I mean, if it's flat black, how do you restore flat black? Isn't that the idea? Is to have it? Matt? <laughs> no, it's it's a real difficult thing. Even paint manufacturers will tell you that. And I did that drive clean, and I, you know, I guess I should say this now. It's been three years. I I I confronted the guy, and honestly, off camera, I said, I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't know if you can answer it. And he was like, I'm not really thrilled about that question. And I said, yeah. what happens when that thing gets scratched? He's like, well, you go to a certified... I'm like, 
Does anybody in the world going to go do that? Or are they going to go to the body shop down the street? And he's like, well, they're not certified to clean, to fix it. And I said, well, that's, that's going to be an issue for the people who buy this because you're going to scratch it. What are you, what are you going to do? But this is a, um, this is a the, decal. Yeah. So option yeah. one is very obvious. Option is what? Replace it. Replace it. Yeah. You can do that. Decal but it's off, the best decal option. On. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably the smartest thing if it's driving him crazy. Option two, again, this is a little weird, but if it's a flat black, you can always put dressing or something on there, like tire dressing. I, again, it's not a great idea, but yeah, did, if it rains we, or you wash it. Did we get it, any gonna... indication if it's because somebody waxed it and it got wax residue no. or it's just from washing it? Or... No, I, he's saying neglect from the Harsh East Coast winters. Oh, I so think it's, it's ultraviolet. That's exactly what Environmental. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, it dried out and you know, UV damage. If the vinyl was damaged, vinyl's pretty durable. And if it if it took damage where you can't remove it, then you have to figure out or find out how did they create the matte finish in the first place. Does the top coat actually have um, an uneven, unsmooth texture that light doesn't reflect back evenly? So it actually dulls. You know, it looks dull to you. Mm-hmm. If you go ahead and buff that out or agitate it or polish it and smooth that out, you're not going to maintain or retain the satin finish. Yeah, so it's going to change the matte finish to semi-gloss or something. That And, and it may not even match throughout. Yeah, at, at like a microscope, uh, microscopic level, you think of matte finish as the Grand Canyon or mountains or something like yeah. that. And there's tons of them. And when light get, goes down in there, it gets trapped and bounces around and it looks Perfect. matte. And Perfect. it's a little rough. Perfect. Think of of a clear coat, perfectly flat show car, whatever, shiny. Think of that as a desert or a piece of glass or something. You know, there's, yeah. there's no smooth. Yeah. There's no there's bouncing. No deviation of the surface. It's just yes. flat. So to your point, if you go in and you try to smooth out that matte part, yeah, it's probably going to look pretty good after that. But the surrounding area is still going to look matte and it's going to look. So you're going to, if you do one spot, you got to do the whole thing. Yeah. And you're, the chances of you doing that consistently. No. Yeah, and if you're polishing vinyl, that's you can get you can get a little ugly. You know, like if you go too deep with vinyl, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll yeah, heat it, up and spin it, and it twist. can be done. You know, it, 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 I I had vinyl on you can my do detailing it. vehicles, and depending on the, you could buy different clear layers over them. But the other thing is, is, if it's not, if it is smooth on top, but they're creating the illusion of matte, they had to do that somehow. There had to be a process where something in in the vinyl makeup, you know was textured mm-hmm. so i was just thinking about paint for a second because you could do it different with paint but but with vinyl he's got to have a rough tech it's got to feel kind of rough to his hand i'm guessing because mm-hmm. if it felt totally smooth it would just be glossy i say he's probably got to replace it or put shiny stuff on it forever yeah, you had a good bit. point you can you can go after it with something like a rubber dre- or rubber tire dressing and it make will, sure it dries otherwise it's going to run all over your car and look horrific but, but. you know the, that in itself can actually depending on the type you use, be good or bad for it too. So, mm. Jason? No, he, he's I got a, nothing. He's got nothing. Next question. <sighs> Kip. Ooh, that's actually a cool name. I wish I had a name like Kip. I remember a name like Kip. Kip. Kip Shapar- Shapiro. His question is, I've been watching your videos and taking care of, and uh, they're awesome. I just got uh, STI after driving beaters for years. The sad part is, I have two light scratches uh, from the plastic trash can uh, that made on my rear plastic bumper. I didn't see any tutorials on light scratch removal from from plastic. Is this the same process as metal? Good question. I don't want to mess around with things. Thought of about masking it 
one eighth on either side with painter's tape and using toothpaste for starters. Maybe working up some more abrasive if that, does, if that doesn't work. Are there any URLs? Or do you have any videos by this, by the way? Uh, he's asking, and it's a metallic black. So, so it's a metallic black plastic. It's a metallic black paint on a plastic bumper. No, I think he's saying the no, car he, is he black. He rubbed up against a plastic trash can. With his metallic bl black car on a bumper. So, so this is actually plastic transfer, too. Okay. That's easy. It's, e it's easy, but if you start from the beginning, we're talking about pla his first question is plastic versus metal, and I am a big fan of chatting about this stuff because I think there's a massive difference in the, the it, he's clearly saying he's a newbie, so whatever, in the newbie world. I think if you polish at the same rate, at the same speed, at the, if you had to keep every all the constants consistent, the same, uh, and you did something on plastic versus metal, you know, we, the metal is going to dissipate the heat a little bit more as opposed to a piece of plastic. Well, at that point, you'd have a higher risk of burning through the paint or, or tearing it off. Oh yeah, or twisting it. You know what I mean? No, that that happens, and it's it's not that uncommon. No, you, and it's very surprising where you're. You are someone that you know, <laughs> Jason well, working on a, a plastic or composite bumper, and you know instantaneously, where there was once paint, there is no paint anymore mm -hmm. because it lost its adhesion. It didn't have a real good grip to begin with. It doesn't, you know, and and heat expansion contraction and the materials, the difference in materials, just pops right off. So mm -hmm. in his case, since he is a beginner and since it's plastic transfer. You know, working by hand is a real smart way to go. And we have to extrapolate a little bit here, but does, do you think it's paint transfer or do you think there's an actual scratch? If it's paint transfer, super easy. You can use a solvent or something or some sort of light, whatever, and get that off. Is that what we're talking about? I don't know. I, I, I'll, based on what he described, it sounds like he rubbed up against a trash can and he got transfer. So it sounds like a scuff mark. It sounds like a scuff because yeah. how much of that plastic in any trash can would... Tear yeah. off the trash can and yeah. transfer onto yeah, yeah. paint. I've actually seen this a lot where people, you know, rub up against their plastic. So how trash. would you, what's your response? Well, to exactly what he said. You just sit there and rub it out. It, actually, you braid it out with a compound. It would come out very quickly. Okay. You're saying if there is plastic transfer from the can to the bumper. No, I'm saying if there's a scuff mark. Okay. Would rub that out by hand and it and they look scary because it actually is a wide, shallow scratch. You know, it looks scary because you you see this big, wide white mark, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got this big!" But it's shallow, so it actually doesn't take a lot of effort to remove that. Mm -hmm. I, I I've done it with you guys. I know body saw, auto saw, like a yeah. solvent. You know, yeah. you get a body. Well, that gets the stuff on top. You know, if there's transfer from the from the trash can where you actually have like the if it's a blue trash can mm -hmm. you got blue on your paint yes then yeah you get that out with a solvent first yeah, yeah. that's a, a good idea yeah, I mean that happens easily so it's not, I mean most of the time based on what he's describing that kind of thing is not that difficult to repair unless that scuff has turned into like a deep scratch and yeah that's where I think we're sort of in the dark a little bit about well, we the question. we don't have enough information. Yeah, because it, the, if it if it did gouge, it, it could still be just in the paint. But you know how the bumpers are. They they give. So as, as you're hitting the trash can backing out or whatever you're doing, yeah. it collapses the bumper even on a, 
minute level and pinches. Yeah. And now you've got ridges where you and you can't get those out. So. And some of these trash cans have wheels on them, and they actually, you know, yeah, they, they might they wheel five hundred pounds in them too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're putting in your trash. But. Yeah. Old carpet that had gasoline smoke. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the last question I have, unless you guys have something. This is a long one. <clears throat> I should, probably should read these a little more, but my name is Yi Chen from a small town in China called... Oh, something. Something. X-Men. X X-I-A men. Anyways, I just wanted to start... I just wanted to start a detailing business, and I was inspired by your video on YouTube, etc., Chinese car detailing uh, detail market is huge. Meanwhile, it's so highly competitive uh, market. We have so many detailing stores in China, but the problem is that there are not any detailing standards. I mean, customers, yeah, I know this is perfect for Jason, yeah. uh, do not know how to judge the quality, which is good or bad detailing service. Uh, and also the price is different. Can you stop shaking that for, jeez Louise, can you guys hear on. that? Can you, that is Jason Rose playing with the microphone. <laughs> You take you, all your emails go directly to Jason Rose. What's your phone number again? Five five five. Why am I getting bagged on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, you got bagged on twice by me. You got punched <laughs> in the stomach by me. That's <laughs> because you're sitting between us right now. Uh, he says the market is big but messy. That's a good name. That's a good word for that market. Uh -huh. Most of the detailing stores don't have formal official detailing training. Um, they do their detailing job by experience. Now. I can start my car care business. Detailing is one of the most important part of my business. I try to create a detailing standard for Chinese detailing industry. I hope I could get 60% of the Chinese market, uh, which would be impressive. Wow, like I want to be in 700 on that. million people <laughs> yeah. or something. That's one hell of a big shop. Yet it sounds ambitious and not real, uh, but I would like to try my best. Uh, I really like your video, but I have a problem there. Uh, some of your products which you show in the video are not sold in China. How can I deal with this? We'll talk about that later. Most of the video is about expensive car detailing. How would I? How about low-end car detailing? Is it still the same as expensive car detailing? So that's that question. We can answer that. Or are there some recommendations for low-end car detailing that's not the same as high-end detailing cars? That's the last question. I mean, the, the second question. Do you have any more videos about detailing training school, such as the one from McGuire's? Ah, I'm reading this with you guys. I didn't read that. I want to know more about the base knowledge, such as materials, PowerPoint, because in China we really lack that training material. Sorry for my poor English, and thank you, thank you. Uh -huh. yeah, that's good. So the first question. Poor. I don't think I could have written it that well no. myself. <laughs> I was, I was sort that's of. That's a huge topic. No, it's massive. So China. So let's, there's three things. China. Tell us a little bit about what's going in that market. You would know that better. Two. Um, what was the other second one? Oh, the difference between high end detailing and low end detailing. Is there a difference in terms of? Uh, in China. I guess in China. Yeah. I actually don't know that question. What was the third question? Third question was about the training. Okay. So, Mr. Rose. Let me ask, answer the third one first because that one's easy. Okay. <laughs> Way to confuse everybody and go backwards. But fine. <laughs> yeah. Elitist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just remember this next time you invite me on a podcast. Um, yeah, the training, uh, training's not as mature as it is uh, here. So in China, detail training is fairly new. Uh, and that's because the whole China market, you know, the average person having a car 
is fairly new. So in China, um, what kind of cars do they have in China? Like lots like, of little ones. Well, they got every brand you can think of. Like similar to the U.S. market, yeah. or is it like Cuba, where it's like really old stuff? No, no, they got every State every brand. I mean, I know there's of. like now there's like tons of exotics. They have, they have and stuff, China but... China only brands, and then they have they have like a Chevy Sonic from, over there. Absolutely. Well, they may not call it a Sonic, but they have you know they have Chevy, they have Ford, they have uh, BMW, Mercedes, you know, huh. all the brands you can think of. It's a huge market now. What's happened though? Um, not not to go back for decades, but you know, in that culture, and let's look at the fam- average family. The average family, grandpa and grandma, didn't have a car, and okay. still still don't to this day. Grandpa and grandma probably don't have a car. Um, mom and dad might have a car, but it's their first car. The first time they got a car. And son and daughter, when they become driving age, they may have a car, but it's the first time. It could be, actually, a lot of families in China, the son or daughter is the first car that ever entered into that whole family for generations. Really? Yeah. So there's a lot of new drivers in China. There's a lot of scuffed bumpers, is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's this whole middle class that is expanding at a tremendous rate in china so what that means okay lots of new people driving cars lots a whole segment of the market is all brand new middle class so what does that mean well body shops and detail shops and car dealerships and all this support structure around cars car ownership yeah is all new Mm. fairly Mm. new so his questions are great i mean coming from where he's at it's they're full-on valid questions like what how do i get training and what's we we have in the united states a very what i call stratified detail market so our detail market's been around for decades so we have you know low-end detailing we have high-end detailing we have mid-tier detailing we have dealership detailing we, yeah we have, deal, we have body shop detailing we have mobile detailers we have express services you know at car washes so there's all this stratification in detail services, whereas in China, it's all brand new. There's detail centers. You know, there's lots of detail centers, and they're popping up everywhere right now. He's probably one of them. He just said he wants to start a business, right? Mm-hmm. And we got that buddy from uh, at MT, my guy, my friend. Remember, he came from Hong Kong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's another good example. Anyways, go ahead. So um, that being the case, you know, it's it's not unusual for the type of questions he's asking uh, because he's in a market right now where it's just beginning. He's like at the ground floor and beginning this whole detail thing that we, you know, we've been around for 30 years, mm. right? Mm. Um, so what's the difference between high-end detailing and low-end detailing? Well, in China, what has existed for the last 10 years is high-end detailing. Only the wealthiest Oh, have had the cars. Have have had the high end mm. cars. So only the wealthiest people can can afford to take their car to a detail center. Oh, or have a car. Or have a have a car to take to a detail center. Yeah. But what's happening now is the middle class, a lot more people are getting cars. So now they're starting to think about taking care of them and they're starting to think about so mm. so he, it's just beginning. The low end market and the mid tier is expanding right now. It's just beginning. Hmm. 
don't yeah. know that. Yeah. So, like, is there a better? Should he pick one or the other, or like, is the middle market like a bigger market now, or? Um, do they take like is that like part of the culture that they take care of the car like like a lot more than we would? No. No, it's like no. it's no. Is it a, is it a piece no. of equipment that they use to get yeah, from eight? Yeah, you know, and you gotta. It's hard. It's hard to do this, but take yourself out of this question and imagine that you're a first-time car driver, and or you know you're around people that have only been driving for three or four or five years, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So you just you're learning about the steering wheel and the buttons and the yeah, you know and how true. to turn and. So you're probably three years into your car ownership before you figure out, oh, maybe I should Get think about waxing it yeah, you know, yeah. or whatever. So I would say if I had to, I mean, if you're pushing me against the wall trying to get me to talk about low end and mid tier, I would say no. Though I would say probably the money is at the high end there still. But there will be a tipping point where average consumer in China will be more educated about car care and they will take better care of their cars, but I would say they're not there yet. How, like five years? Uh, What's McGuire's stance think, on it? Oh, we're ramping up for major growth in China. Yeah, I think everybody is. So, hmm. I mean, car wax and but on both the professional and the the do-it-yourselfer side. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, it's very, very difficult for the average person to wax your own car. In China, because oh, of space, yeah, space, and where do they park? They park in their building. A or lot of it... well, a lot of people. The way they live in China is there's this huge, you know, building, and it's like a big condominium complex, like what we would call here, um, like New York City ish, like tall yeah. buildings. Well, no, um, these are like between ten and fourteen story. Some of them are twenty stories, but they don't go higher than that usually. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating to me because they build these all over the place. But for some reason, they didn't think through the car thing. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this little one-lane street that's surrounding this building. And they got a building full of people that live there, sometimes with three generations of a family. In the same building? In the same home? Yeah. Wow. So three generations of a family in the same dwelling. And... Now they're starting to get cars, you know, dad's getting a car and daughter and son, when they become driving age, getting a car. What is the driving where age? Do, where do you put the car is one question. And secondly, that means you, grandma and grandma, got grandpa got to go out and stick them in the. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big challenge for them. They're trying, to, they're trying to figure out where do I put my car and how do I wash it? How do I, you know, wax it? So detail centers are becoming the way they do that. They, they drive in and somebody washes it for them. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm. You could see where a guy would have a parking lot and he'd come and pick you up when you needed your car and it would be washed right there and everything. Oh, yeah. No, that's a big business there. Is parking it? structures with car washes in the parking structure. Big business. So where does, it, where does this guy go? Well, no, if I hear him right he he he's like a wannabe detailer and wants a detail center right yeah. what, what's your yeah. advice I start to a guy like business. that i guess it, it depends on budget and where he's located and yeah all kinds of things so i would say start with the the high-end cars because that will be his bread and butter right now but eventually if you hang in the business for a while you'll get you're gonna get 
the middle class people. Mm-hmm. I just think right now they're not thinking car care yet. No. It sounds you know like what I mean? if he wants to really truly do this as his work, he yeah. needs to get a hold of someone that's tight with your organization because they know the market. Well, and that's that goes you're right, but it goes along with his third question, you know, hey, how about training? Well, um I'll be going in May actually to China to train a whole team of our local trainers. So um I would tell this person you know, hang in there. Training as a as a service, as a business, is is building up and developing in China. Mm. So there'll be more and more services offered to this person. Uh, you know, to connect themselves with training. And McGuire's is doing it. Other brands are doing it. But you know, we're we're very aggressively ramping up trainers to go out into all those communities in China, reach out to these types of detailers. And say, hey, well, here's an event you can come, a training event, to learn about a topic. Or here is a training center, a school, basically, you can come and get detailed training. So, I mean, if I can do a plug. You may. The whole 15 (laughs) minutes was a plug, right? (laughs) Well, no, okay. No, no, yeah, do a plug. (laughs) Turning the volume down. Where'd he go? There we go. Thank you for coming. So anyways, on the <laughs> next week's podcast, <laughs> go ahead, do your plug. Do your plug. Okay, I'll do it generically. You reach out to brands, to detail brands, you know, detail product supply companies, and ask for local training. So the, the answer to him is yes, there yeah. is local training. You there. ask for your local ammo authorized <laughs> you know, training center and your authorized McGuire's training center. There you go. Right? Look at this <laughs> diplomat over here. I did it alphabetically. Yes. Yes, that's right. All right. Well, that's my last question. And we're at uh, almost exactly an hour, which is our uh, desired really? time. Yeah, 57 minutes. Time flies when you're having fun there, boys. Wow. Yeah. You have any other thoughts about uh, closing thoughts on, on the plane overall? Jason? You're going to be working another day still, right? Yeah, I'm I'm hanging out. You guys are out tomorrow, right? I'm out tomorrow, but I got to look in my bag over there. I can't remember when. I'm going to try to move my flight a little earlier because yeah. it's supposed to snow in New York. But, I mean, I know you polished like crazy. Yeah, I today. polished all day metal. Using, you know, just going for the metal metal work. There was plenty of it. And yeah. Everybody else was working on the paint and everything else. There's so much to do. So I, the one thing I have to say, and I'm not, uh, you know, blowing smoke from McGuire's over here, but the, your, your freaking pads. I, I can't oh. believe how much, I, I mean, he's beating the hell am out I not of beating, pads. Am I destroying these things? They're just, and they just keep going. Yeah. It's like, I mean, eventually, you know, like anything else it, it dies and you're like, all right, let's get another one. But I, it's an absurd amount of time. There's some pads. Even if I, if I would have hit some of the corners and sharp edges with those, they would have ripped in half. And these, are so resilient. You know they what? They roll I, over it. I just thought of something. We should we should do something with those pads. I know tomorrow. Oh, I should. We should. Oh, that was a great idea. Sorry, I'm thinking of fifty things at once. The plane is blue because it's Air Force Two or Freedom One. It looks yeah. like you know right. it's a presidential plane. So the blue when you polish it, the, the pad gets blue. So everybody's taking home a blue pad, which I think is pretty cool. Put it up in your. We should. Um, we should take the rest of those pads and and do a little bit of that, and um, I can give away to some viewers and listeners and stuff. Your pads. Wow. That's kind of fun, right? You put it in a plastic bag and send it out to them and be like, hey, this, this polished X amount of... And don't wash it because it will come clean. It's incredible, is it yeah. not? Did I show you? I was polishing Yeah, it can be completely aluminum. loaded with 
Pigmented I was, paint and it'll rinse out with water. I was using a black pad. Yeah. And I shot it twice with your express wash. And it's like, lo and behold, it's burgundy. Burgundy again. It took yeah. it instantly out. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Larry. That's, those pads we worked hard on. And uh, uh, for your listeners, it's a new pad line that we just launched at SEMA in November. But it's called the DA Foam Discs. So they come in three levels of foam. They, they will yeah. become the benchmark. That foam... And, and that design is fantastic. There's certain instances where you'd want to use a taller one, but not a lot. Yeah. But what you've done in your, in your group has done with the foam technology, there's going to be companies going to have to play catch up. The durability, the resilience. The durability is the, off the, the, the freaking the, charts. You, you can the cut, but then they finish. It's shocking. It's, yeah. It will become the, the standard to say, hey, you know, we've, after seven years, we've equaled the. <laughs> no, it's it's an incredible. Hey, are you going to throw away those pads? What are you going to do with them? Because if know. I send this podcast out and I get ten ten thousand emails, I'm like, dude, I want a pad from the whatever from the Freedom One. Uh, yeah, I, actually, we'd have to talk to Joe Fernandez because those were donated for this project. So I don't. We'd have to talk to him. All right, wants I'll, to I'll, do. I'll give him a shot. So yeah. email me or text me if you you want one of those hanging up in your garage. We'll see what I can do. If we get them, great. Yeah, these are little things, you know, trying to help. It's cool, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you, said, Kevin. Kevin. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking microfiber towels too. Like, hey, we could start okay, an industry with this. We got some blue, t- Ship blue out yellow stuff towels for free. <laughs> hey, we'll make it. We'll make, actually, it up, we'll make it up in volume. Yeah. <laughs> now we're gonna. See, I know what's gonna happen next. We're gonna see them on eBay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is this, this is, this is the towel cool. that Kevin wiped his brow. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> The brow. That's right. <laughs> Kevin Brow. <laughs> okay, it's late. It's late. It's time. It's uh, 1022 here in Tucson, Arizona. Again, uh, I'll give a, a, a nice plug for uh, the Pima Air and Space Museum. These guys have been absolutely incredible, um, giving us, uh, inviting us to do this uh, this plane. And, of course, Joe Fernandez for inviting all of his buddies. Um, and the quick stat of this video coming out, and I just remembered it now, is we've had uh, 15 guys. It's been four days. On average, because there's been a lot of people. There. Yeah. 15 guys, four days, 500 man hours. We had 85 or 90 or something, you know, close to that, because we used some wool pads. Yeah, um, yeah. Pads, polishing pads. And we washed those out. Oh, yeah. Every hour or whatever. Yeah. There's one guy literally sitting there the yeah. entire, entire time. My just... friend Paul has been washing all the microfiber towels, all. The pads. We had 500 or 600 or 800, some crazy amount of microfiber towels all over the place. Yeah. Half of them got thrown away because they were so bad. But um, what else? We had, uh, we used like five or 10 gallons worth of product or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, 20 polishers, $6,000 worth of polishers is what Joe Fernandez told me. Uh, I don't know, five miles worth of extension cords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four scissor jacks. One. What, what was the one you were we were playing with today that was... Quite interesting. Well, I call it the bucket boom, but it's like a cherry picker that you know has a basket and you yeah can reach around everywhere. Yeah, we got up and did uh, that. Was kind of was we'll, end, we'll end on this note. That was you know possibly the coolest polishing I've ever done. We were easily thousand feet. feet in the air. hundred like, feet, Larry. Jeez, come on. I don't know. It's really, really high and windy. It felt like a hundred. Yeah. We were we were hugging each other in the video. We were like, oh, yeah. "This is cool." 
So yeah, we polished the American flag on the back of a not the wing, the tail. tail. I, unfortunately, on Instagram, I said it was a wing, and people are destroying me. I'm, yes, I'm aware it's not a wing. wing. I said a tail. My bad. What? I was thinking not a tail wing, but I guess those you have those too. <laughs> so. it, yeah, the tail. Yeah, no, it wasn't the tail wing. It was the actual. We'll call it the vertical tail. wing. The vertical wing. Yes. So we, we polished Ooh, the American flag. Yeah. Very fun. Are yeah. you going to do the blue section on the back of that? I did. Did you see? The the blue thing that goes up the tail. Yeah, you did that yet this morning. I got almost to the top, but I'll be, I'll finish all the way to the top in the morning. It'll reach. Uh huh. And so you guys are gonna do the other side, obviously tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And the crew, right? Well, the, I mean, did the crew's been great. Most of the guys nonstop. Who was the guy that I was telling you about today that did the the engine? What was his name? Russ or something? Oh yeah, Russ. Holy yeah. jeez, the dude didn't move. He's the uh, for like ever ready, you know. Battery like, Easter bunny, just, whatever. I was like, do you need any water? He's like, no, I'm He's good. I'm like, all right, well, I'll drink it for you then. He's redoing and he, he, he brought it to a, another level. Yeah. Right, he so took the time. So, I, You know what? We shouldn't even be calling him out. It was everybody who's been working on this thing has yeah. been incredible. Those well, guys who were up on the roof, what yeah. were those guys' names? I mean, they were, they yeah. were 60 feet in the air for four oh, days. Just, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I buffed all day nonstop, but I was in the shade. I, I just dragged my part around. Okay, the shady area. But yeah. these guys are right up there, no shade, all day. Um, I think we drank uh, 717 bottles of water. Thanks, Joe, for getting those small ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you hear him, why he why he chose those? Yeah, he's he like, said people he's don't drink all of them. He was then, tired then, of picking up half okay. full bottles of water. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. 50 degrees, get the small bottles. 80 degrees and higher, yeah, give us the, the big bottles, bottles, okay? <laughs> I got three miles into walking back to get more bottles of water for me, me and the guy I was working with. Like, gee. You see these guys are turning white. They're well, like, oh, I, I can't even, I don't know my name right now. I was now. ready to just pop them in and chew them, you know, like little <laughs> tablets. <laughs> I'm sure glad you guys found somebody else to bag on. And Joe's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> we wouldn't have got a word in edgewise. This is our only chance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably still out there polishing. He's cracking the whip on those guys. Yeah. Like you it can't fun. leave. It was good. It was good. It's going to be one of those that's even more fun as the months pass. It's any big project you have those times where you're just thinking, "Wow, man, I sure signed up for this, didn't I?" But, <laughs> and but I as, as time goes by, you re you realize yeah. how neat it was and how rare it is. That's why I think, and I, I, I'm not sure if I even plugged this at all, which I probably should have plugged. That we're shooting a video on this. Do we it's, ever say that? In it's the not just it. it let me say that at all. So at the end of it's going to be it's going to be pretty epic. Three I, days I was of say, filming. I don't want to use the e word, but um, it's going it to be it is cool. going to be fantastic. I mean, to show the process of how it was done step by step. But even forget about that. It's about yeah. the, the history of the POWs and the the hostages in this plane. Yeah, it's like holy crap! Yeah. You're like polishing this, and you're going like, wait a second. Yeah, you always think about that in history. If you could be a fly on the wall, or think about think about this. I woke up this morning thinking about this. If somebody walks, the guy who's a hostage and he's been there for 400 days or whatever it was, some crazy 444 amount. days. 444 days. Hostage. This is all from, from memory. So I'm okay. not so the, by a percentage. So, so the person comes out who was clearly an American, you know, doing whatever he was doing when he got captured for America, I'm imagining, or, you know, whatever they were doing in the war. Um, or the, oh, yeah, sure. The you em see, embassy. The yeah, embassy whatever. thing, whatever. He comes out and he's been in this probably not wonderful environment. I guess I'll be uh. as PC as I possibly can. Like he didn't yeah. want to be there. It wasn't there by choice. He comes out and he sees the first American thing that, that he can see uh. is this massive plane 
That's yeah. beautiful. This angel eagle thing. Yeah, right. You, I mean, you walk up the stairs and now you're on, I think it's technically sovereign ground. Sure. Is that considered an embassy? I think it is, or whatever, when you're in a different country. If it's just United States uh, you, of America. You might want to be inclined to treat it that way. Yeah. Even if it's not. So, I, <laughs> yeah, it's taking me. You're home. not going to want to go there with that plane. Yeah. <laughs> so, just to think about that while we were polishing, you know, some moments when we weren't laughing or having a good time or whatever and doing the work, you think about it, you're like, man, if I could have just been there 33 years ago when this. There's somebody today that thought about that plane that was on it. I mean, that, yeah, it's it's it is it is historic and it deserves to be remembered and to be respected as much as it you know as we can and do our tiny little part to to just and the know. transformation wasn't a joke. It, no, like, it, it, I mean it was literally night and day. I mean, even the the director was like, "This is insane. I can't. I, it looks like a brand. If you guys put that stripe, the gold stripe in there." Yeah, and they just they paint that one new. little section that was starting to fade. It, it's a brand new plane, right. as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, it's uh, you know they're ramping up to finish it off, right? The yeah. engines are unbelievable. Yeah, the amount of polishing right. you guys did yeah. on the engines are, is incredible. So they're going to wheel that back out and put that in like the middle section with all the other planes. Mm-hmm. They're going to paint it the areas they want. Well, yeah, before they put it back into on display, they're going to paint <laughs> those those sections. So it'll look. Look pretty good when it's all done. <laughs> Wonder where they're going to put that thing. Hopefully, it'll be right ne- next to that other Air Force One and the other Air Force Two. It'll be right next to them. Okay, so it's not really yeah. going all that far. No, and it it's going back on. You know, we got to think since 1990, this plane has been literally baking in the desert, roasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were there for like three hours or whatever this morning roasting. We're like, oh god, oh, I'm not that <laughs> I'm <tired>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying up there because now I'm at the top and I'm, my arms, you know, my eight foot arms are doing whatever, you know, polishing and Jason's behind me going, shh, shh, spraying water yeah. in the back of my head. Like, this is great. This is, <laughs> this is the type of detailing I like. <laughs> On that water note. Boy. Water boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've progressed this far in my career. I get, right. I get to be you get Larry Costello's water boy. Water boy. <laughs> Arrived. I've arrived. arrived. Dreams can come true. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and it finally happened. Yes. <laughs> on I that can note, go home fulfilled. <laughs> that's right. Let's, let's leave on a high note. Yeah. Plug your uh, plug your daddy of buffing. Visit me at buffdaddy.com, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, there's on several detailing for uh, groups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you're very accessible. If you uh, when people call me, they're like, I don't know this or that, or some sanding something, or uh, you know the roof. Yeah, polisher. I try, but it's, I have to. I have to be you know appreciative and thankful that it's getting more difficult because of partly because of you and being exposed. So thank you, and just keep calling. Like, you know, texting and emailing are great. Texting's by far the easiest and be- the fastest. To Way to get a response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, 40 I'm, videos doing well. And it's, it's been great. Got a lot of I views mean, I've, got, I've hopped on there to try to do some comments back, and I've really appreciated the exposure and you know, sharing whatever knowledge that I can. So thanks and, for that. This one will be another drive clean video, so that's going to be fun. And then we'll have both. I, I've never done drive clean video with both of you in there, right? Now I've just done a drive clean with you. Because, just with yeah. me. And then my ride-alongs with both of you, you know, the mm-hmm. little thank mm-hmm. you videos. So anyways... I always ask you if you want to do a plug, and you always go McGuire's next or whatever. So do your plug. McGuire's.com. <laughs> Lame. No, I can be reached uh, jrose at McGuire's.com. That's my email address. And uh, Facebook. Awesome. 
You guys know where to find me, AmmoNYC.com. Visit uh, my Facebook page, Facebook slash AmmoNYC, Instagram. And uh, my home address is... uh, No, (laughs) don't go there. (laughs) Yes, definitely don't go there. (laughs) As always, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, If you have any questions or ideas for podcasts and videos, you know where to find me, Larry at AmmoNYC.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.